Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his goodwill according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and his will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Well, we did it. We, we made it through 2020. Barely. It's a wild ride and, and, and you know, at times truly heartbreaking challenging, difficult. In fact, many of us still feel the lasting effects from last year. And we realize that even as we go into a new year, even as we claim this as hopefully a better year, that there are still some things that linger from last year. But nevertheless, we still make the symbolic gesture on New Year's Eve, going into New Year's Day, that this year is going to be different. And we do this every single year. We, we do this every single year to make some sort of resolution, if you will, uh, that this coming year we're going to have more of good things and less of bad things. In other words, we're going to live changed changed by our circumstances of this past year and go into a new year and say, you know what, we're going to make the most of it. Um, yeah, did anybody make New Year's resolutions? I made a couple. You don't have to raise your hand. I was just curious, you know, to think about. It's, uh, I don't know, I guess a hallowed practice to, to make some sort of goal for oneself to be able to say, you know what, this year I'm going to eat better. I'm going to get healthier, I'm going to uh, spend more time reading and less time watching Netflix. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to go to the gym more and spend less time on my couch. Best of luck. We make these resolutions and say, you know what, this is going to be the year that I be my best self. 
And that's all well and good. And I'm not going to say a single word bad about that because we should set higher goals for ourselves. We should set goals that say, you know what, I want to be better. I want to live as a better person this year. And even if it takes an entire, uh, us coming to New Year's Day to be able to say that, because you know, for some reason it, it feels wrong to, to make that resolution at any other time, even if it takes us coming to this point, I want to live better. And we know that we can't make these kind of commitments at any other time because it was December 28th, if I remember correctly. We were getting close to the new year, and I had already decided on my New Year's resolutions. And I, and I, I told my wife, I was like, you know, I'm really starting to feel kind of gross about the stuff that I've been eating during this holiday season. Like, it's, it's starting to actually make me sick. And she's like, well, you can start eating healthier now. I said, no, it's not New Year's. I have to keep eating like this. I have to keep making myself miserable because I, it's, it's not New Year's yet. Why would I start early? That makes no sense at all. Um, and so I kept making myself a little miserable all the way up until uh, New Year's Day. Yes, th through New Year's Eve, I was still, you know, it was like 9 o'clock and I've got Oreos just going down my throat. And it was just a rough time of it. But we made it through and we're now at New Year's, uh, we made it into the new year and we started up these New, year res new Year's resolutions to say that this is a new year of possibilities. This is a, a year of hope. A year that good things could actually come out of. And we see some good things popping up here and there. Moments of encouragement. I've been absolutely thrilled um, on my social media feed. At least one picture a day I see of uh, somebody who's, re who's gotten a COVID-19 vaccine. It's really exciting to see that that's happening. Uh, even with people that I know, it's really encouraging to know that that is a possibility for this year for each and every one of us. There are other glimmers of hope here and there as we carry on into this new year. And, and it makes us think, we know that we want this year to be different from the last. But how might that different fit into our comfort zone? How might that different fit into what's easy? How might that different fit into well, say two more weeks from now. We'll give us two weeks. That's typically about the time when New Year's resolutions start to drop off. Because once we get to that point, we realize that some of the goals we might have made for this year, we realize that some of the things that we might have wanted for this year to be different really aren't so fun. And it's curious because I would expect this to happen on New Year's Day. New Year's Day is really like the one time in our entire year, maybe there are some other moments that are encouraging, but really New Year's Day is the one time in our year that we say, you know what? I actually want to change. I actually want something to be new about this year. I want something to be exciting about who I am going into this year, and it's the one time at least from, from my perspective and in my own experiences, it's the one time whenever I can say, you know what, I want things to be different. But the thing that we fail to really grasp is exactly what different means. Because I know, I know already that tonight, 
we're only on December 3rd. I know already that tonight I'm going to sit down to rest, get ready for bed, and I'm going to think, Oreos are sounding really good right about now. And I'm going to look at my wife and I'm going to say, would it be so bad if I had Oreos right now? And she would say, yes, it would be so bad because she has so much more discipline than I do. And she's my encourager. And she's going to say, yes, it would be so bad. Don't do that. And okay. And I walk into the kitchen. I'm going to open the pantry. And it's, it's completely foolish of me that on New Year's Eve, I didn't throw them away because I'm going to open the pantry and see right there on the shelf that's at eye level sits half a pack of Oreos. Yes, only half a pack because I ate the other half on New Year's Eve. And I'm going to see that sitting right there and I'm going to say, you know what? It's a lot easier to eat Oreos than to not eat Oreos. And it's a lot easier to sit on the couch than to go to the gym. And it's a lot more comfortable to live the way I was living in 2020 than to live the way that I might have wanted in 2021. We have to wrestle with the comfort and the ease of the lives that we've set for ourselves and realize that, well, it's going to be a tough year to make it a better year, to make it a different year. And this is the thing that we realize is just about two weeks into, into January, every single new year, and on into February, and typically by the end of February, most New Year's resolutions are out the door because we come to that realization that there's just something comforting about the way things used to be. There's just something easy about living how I once did. Our passage today in Ephesians chapter 1 is a passage that celebrates newness, that celebrates change and transformation. It's the kind of passage that you would expect to be read on New Year's Day, the kind of passage that says, you know what? Because of God's grace and because of the great love and mercy of God, we can live into a new life, a life of redemption. It's that kind of passage that, that gets you fired up about change, about transformation. It's the kind of passage that's really frustrating to hear about two weeks from now. Because it seems so easy, this passage in Ephesians that's calling us to live transformed lives. Uh, the word redemption in there is a powerful word. And it's the title of, uh, of today's sermon. Throughout the month of January, we're going to be looking at a year of preparing ourselves for a year of, well, something better, I hope. And today we start with a year of redemption. And that's a churchy word. Uh, don't use it all that often outside of church settings. But the word redemption uh, ultimately means to be saved from something. But saved from something in a particular way, to be saved, uh, saved from captivity by someone else paying the ransom, to be saved from captivity by somebody else paying the ransom. Um, never had personal experience with, uh, with 
actual captivity and somebody having to pay my ransom, but I, I remember growing up, my, my parents uh, really enjoyed watching like CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, and my wife is really into um, these kind of criminal minds podcasts and TV shows and stuff like that. And every so often you get an episode where somebody actually gets like taken and there's like this ransom letter and the cliche one is that's used, uh, it's made using new, uh, uh, magazine clippings and say, you know, bring $1 million to this spot if you want to see this person again. This is kind of the mentality that, that Ephesians uses when talking about redemption. That someone, namely ourselves, have been taken out of hope, goodness, a better life, maybe, and have been being held in captivity. And Paul is the alleged author of Ephesians. It can be disputed. Um, but either way, even if it was Paul or one of Paul's disciples, they really like to uh, use the imagery of slavery, of captivity, when talking about sin, saying that we have been captives of sin and there's a ransom to be paid. And it's Christ who pays that ransom on our behalf so that we might be saved. And this is the notion of redemption. However, there is this complicated feature of being saved that we don't really give enough credit for. And, and the only way I know how to put this into terms is I used to work with a, an organization in college called uh, Voices of Justice. And Voices of Justice was an organization that one of my friends started up that uh, was bent on, on, uh, uh, on bringing to the public's attention the human trafficking uh, problem that was very evident in Montgomery, Alabama. That's where I went to college. Um, it's not only in Montgomery, it's uh, Mobile as well. Human trafficking, a very real thing that has to be addressed in which people are actually sold for you know, what, what have you. There are a number of uh, different things, whether it be labor, um, uh, being a, a, a sex trafficking, etc. And one of the things that we learned when, here, when talking to people who got out of this system, and it's, it's, not all, it's not often that people do, but whenever people do, you hear from survivors and there is this one conundrum that comes up with survivors, and it's this desire. And desire might not be the best word, but it's what it looks like, to return to their captors, to return to the people who took them away from their families, who took them out of their lives. It's this desire to return to the bad people because they describe a number of things, but mostly it's because they form a, what's called a trauma bond with that individual. It's an emotional manipulation that the captor uh, imbues upon the captive uh, to keep them attached. And it's also a notion of survival, or at least a familiar lifestyle that they know how to live into. 
because it's, they've, they've been in the system so long, they've been uh, in captivity for so long that, that they become familiar with it, and this is just the life that they know. And so, the, I, I use this really dark analogy because it's the only way that I can, I can express what ends up happening to people on the other side of our Ephesians passage. We have this moment of redemption in which Christ pays the ransom on our behalf and sets us free, and we've been given freedom. And yet, at some point in our freedom, in our what we might call a transformed life, that we want to return to the way things were before the ransom was paid. We want to return to that familiar life because we either have a trauma bond with that experience in our life that was holding us captive or because it's just familiar and it's easy and we can settle into it because that's just the life that we know how to build for ourselves. And so, in this, in this passage here, and on through Ephesians, and on through much of the New Testament letters, we have the authors trying to address this conundrum here, that people have found freedom, but for some reason they keep returning back to an old lifestyle, a lifestyle that is, from the outside, very evidently wrong. Wrong. Blatantly not a healthy lifestyle might be a better way to phrase that. A life that is broken, a life that is hurting. And so Ephesians here tries to challenge us to recognize what that redemption really means for us, if it means anything at all to us. It's challenging us to say, Look at what God has done for us. Granted us this inheritance, adopted us, destined us for goodness from the foundation of the world, redeemed as God's own people. And yet, for some reason, even knowing the goodness that comes out of such transformation, the goodness that comes out of such change, we will still long for, in some way, shape, or another, to return back to that comfortable life. It is the exact same concept that shows up in the New Year's resolutions that we might be bound to break. It's the same thing that shows up for me whenever I open the pantry and I see Oreos sitting there. I remember very vividly how horribly I felt after eating too much uh, sugar and junk food over the holidays. I could, it's, it's still like I can remember that feeling. And yet, I know that tonight, after dinner is settled and we're getting ready for bed, that I'm going to open that pantry and I'm going to look in there and see that half-eaten box of Oreos and it's going to look really good. No matter how horrible I know things were before, and no matter how good I know things could be if I kept with my New Year's resolution, I'm still going to be faced with that choice. 
And if I had any amount of sanity left within me, the moment I would get home this afternoon, I would throw that box of Oreos away. But there's still going to be that little part within me that's going to say, but what if I need it? Is it really so bad to keep those Oreos around? Is it really the worst thing in the world if I just have one or two or a sleeve? It might be pretty bad if I have a sleeve. But I want us, as we go into this new year, to think for just a moment about what a year of redemption might mean for us that God has called us through the grace and love of Jesus Christ to live as redeemed people, to live as people who have been welcomed into salvation, to live as people who are transformed by love into love. And as we go into this new year, we're going to be faced every single day with the choice between living into a redeemed life, or living into the way things used to be. And so, my challenge for us today is to live as redeemed people. And I want to make this very practical for us, okay? Sometimes I feel like these challenges can be a little too uh, abstract and a little too broad. Today I want to make it as practical as possible. You could even do this right now. I'm, it's not going to hurt my feelings if you break out like your phone or a tablet or some pen and paper or something and want to start a list. But I want you to think back through the year 2020. Yes, I'm going to make you think back through a horrible year. And I want you to think about everything that happened in 2020 that you had power over that you could have done differently. Everything in that in last year that you could have done differently that you would like to have done differently. The choices you could have made, the people you could have attended to, the love you could have shared, whatever it might have been, the things that you had power over that you could do differently. And I want you to make a list of those things, either now or sometime today. I would encourage you to do it some, by the end of today because otherwise you're just gonna, it's gonna be forgotten. I know I would forget like immediately. And on the other side of that list, write every way in 2021 that you can live as a redeemed person through that. So say in the year 2020, I'm gonna go ahead and get real personal and close to home. You saw people who had lost their jobs, people who lost everything, people who were forced out on the streets even, and you might have had some amount of job security or financial security, but instead of helping them out, you chose to hold on to that money because what if it went away for me? Maybe this year, as a redeemed person, we can say, you know what? I want somebody else to have this. Even just this little amount. Whatever it is I can give. So, so you know, think about the year 2020 and the ways that could ha it could have been different. The ways that you might have been able to make an impact but didn't for whatever reason. 
and then think about the ways you could live as a redeemed person into 2021. To make this a part of our New Year's resolutions, it's not too late. Uh, it may seem like it. We're on day three. It may seem like it's too late, but it's not too late to incorporate this in there. But, so go ahead and include a challenge to yourself to live as redeemed people for the praise of God's glory. That's what Ephesians calls us to. Verse 12, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of His glory. Verse 14, this is the pledge of our inheritance toward the redemption as God's own people to the praise of His glory. So as redeemed people, live for the praise of God's glory. We live for more than just ourselves. We claim 2021 for more than just ourselves. We do it for God. As redeemed people who have been called into new life, into good life, and even though there are going to be those moments in which the easiness of our life before and the comfort of our life before and the things we may desire from our life before try to creep in, go ahead and throw those Oreos in the trash. Go ahead and find new outlets for those desires. Go ahead and make 2021 a year of redemption. Let us pray.